Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Siren's Song. Written by Matt Butcher. Narrated. By Josh Curran. I'd been stowing away in the cargo hold for close to two weeks before I finally had been discovered. At least I have to assume this was the case. All I had to go on at the time was the coming and going of the overhead sun creeping through the deck boards above me. My thoughts had begun to grow hazy, as all I had to provide sustenance was the occasional scrap of bread I managed to sneak from the galley in the dead of night. I had to cease such activity when suspicions arose amongst some of the crew members, whom I heard passing comments as they walked overhead, and, in my dire desperation, had to one evening resort to grabbing a passing rat and eating of its flesh what I could stomach. During the following hours, I had grown feverish and hot. My stomach had been sent into convulsions, and I had spent what felt like an eternity vomiting profusely onto the mossy timber floorboards. This was what had finally revealed my position. I'd been woken at first light with a bucket of salt water to the face, half of which was shot down my nostrils and sat bolt upright, spluttering. When my vision cleared somewhat, my eyes locked with the steely gaze of the ship's captain, though I'd later learn him to be in his mid-thirties, 
His sea-weathered skin gave him the appearance of a man a decade his senior. What's your purpose here, boy? I just... My voice croaked free from my parched throat. I just want a better life. I want to go to the city. The captain pulled his aged face into a wrinkled smile. Ain't nothing in this city but godlessness and thieves, he chuckled. He paused for a second, pondering his verdict before finally speaking. I'll grant you passage, but you'll be earning it. Captain! The first mate tried to protest before being silenced by the captain's steely glare. Get this boy a decent meal, he looks like he needs it, and set him to work scrubbing the decks. Aye, captain, the first mate grumbled reluctantly. After a meal of bread and mead that my stomach had been grateful for, I got to scrubbing the decks. It was pleasant to be outside again, even with the thick salty air and the fishy stench. The crew shot me foul looks and joked about tossing me overboard, but it was still better than stowing away down below with the rats. Soon, I'd be in the city, making a name for myself, just as I had dreamt for so very long. I'd been publicly aboard the ship for five days when I first heard their song. It was beautiful, like whale song, but more vocalised. The dulcet tones seemed to travel through the ship's hull to resonate with my soul. I was drawn to it, like a moth to a flame, but I couldn't investigate further. I was in the crew sleeping quarters on one of the great many hammocks. Attempting to leave would only unsettle unsavoury types, who had cruelly taunted that my throat was ripe for testing their blades on. Instead, I lay awake and let the soothing song calm my spirit as the seas ebbing and flowing rocked me like a child in its mother's arms until, like a weary child, I fell asleep. I was woken by a mess of panicked voices. Sunlight crept between the boards overhead, and I saw the shifting shadows of the crew all rushing towards something. I knew the captain should have thrown that whelp overboard, a gruff voice said. It's bad luck to carry stowaways. Sitting upright, I found myself to be the last to wake. I fell out of the hammock and onto the floor with a thud before shooting to my feet and climbing up to see what had everyone so fascinated. As I approached, I was met with the fearful glare of all present. It's him, Captain. He shouldn't be here, I'm telling you. Edging towards the Captain, hoping he'd grant me protection from the superstitious messes, I soon locked my eyes on what had the crew so spooked. In an instant, I understood. There were supernatural forces at work. Oh, bugger me, I muttered as I crossed my chest. The starboard side of the ship had somehow become warped and misshapen. It was as though the wood were merely wax, melted by a flame. Leaning over the railing, I could see the timbers, previously smoothed by weeks of manual labour, now curved and knobbly like an old tree. Pay them no mind, boy, the captain had said with a hand on my shoulder. 
Too much sea air can make men fools, open them up to all sorts of wives' tales. What do we do, Captain? Someone piped up from the gathered crowd. Far as I see it, ship's still floating. We'll be at port in three days, four at most. We'll deal with it then. He replied with the resolution that his eyes betrayed with worry. Want me to say a prayer? A young man to the front of the crowd offered. I've been learning some verses from the good book when we've been ashore. Sure, the captain agreed. Have at it. With a hand still on my shoulder, he led me away. I felt the many eyes burning a hole in the back of my head, but somehow maintained the strength to refrain from turning around to meet them. I'll set you up somewhere safe to sleep tonight, boy, he said to me softly when we were out of earshot. There's something strange afoot, and I know suspicious minds look for whatever explanation presents itself, real or imagined. Thank you, sir, I replied. Unsure which posed a greater threat, whatever unnatural forces lurked beneath the waves or the fearful masses that floated above, I was thankful to have the captain at my side. The crew respected him, and by proxy, had to respect me. At some point in the night, I was roused by that beautiful sound again. Its tones danced and flowed around each other like the ocean's waves and caressed my ears, filling me with a complete tranquility. The sound was too pure, too beautiful to be of the devil. Was it a choir of angels? Was it the voice of God above? The wordless song drew me in. It felt like a string had been tied to my heart and pulled me towards its source. As though moving without conscious thought, I found myself getting to my feet and unlocking the door. The cold night air hit me, and I shuffled across the deck to a destination I didn't know how I knew. The sea was deathly quiet. The ship barely swayed, and not a single wave crashed against the hull. Though the sails were silhouetted in the moonlight, another source of light seemed to be causing them to glow a fiery red. Mindlessly, I drifted to the side of the ship and peered over to find its source. Below the still waters, no deeper than you'd bury a body, was a glowing orange light. It was as though there was an impossible fire burning underwater. It sent the water around it bubbling up to be released into the night air as steam, though such a sight had to be the work of the devil and his servants. The song seemed to still my frantic mind. Do not fear. It seemed to sing. With wild eyes. Around the fire, I thought I could see shapes circling, like witches dancing around a fire in diabolic ceremony. Were my eyes playing tricks on me? Seeing shapes in the flowing water? Or was I bearing witness to Satan's seaborn servants engaged in a hellish ritual? Join us. All is well. I managed to break the song's spell, and fear flooded my heart. Running as fast as I could without slipping on the wet deck, I shot into my makeshift bedroom and turned the lock. Shortly after, the song seemed to cut silent. Was I free of the devil's temptation? Or would his creatures come back for me the following night? I lay awake all night, 
plagued by the thought of their return, and quietly recited the prayers my father had taught me when I was younger. The next morning, I was the first awake, seeing as I hadn't slept a wink since I'd returned to the cabin, and as such, was witness to the devil's fresh signature, notifying all who weren't present that his servants had been skulking in the nearby waters. The sails above, where the hellfire had shone, were stained a charcoal grey. The timber around where the submerged ritual had taken place was, as before, warped and misshapen. Now, with the chance to inspect it better, I could also see all greenery and sea life that had grown on the hull was now completely absent. Had the fires of hell burnt it all clean from the ship? What was it, boy? The captain asked from behind me. What in God's name happened? Last night, they were in the water, I had started. Satan's creatures, dancing around a fire. A fire? Under the waves, I. It's the work of the devil, I know it. They called to me, tried to get me to join them. The captain sighed and put a hand on my shoulder. The work of merfolk is what it is. The captain corrected coldly as he stared into the waves. Sirens that try to draw men overboard with their sweet song, only to drag them down to their doom. You did well to resist them, boy. Your faith must be strong. Aye, that it is, sir. A collection of gasps nearby alerted us of the crew's presence. I told you, Captain. I told you we should have got rid of that kid. They'll leave us alone if we give him to them. Let us be done with it. The Captain stepped offensively in front of me. Like hell you will. We've sailed undisturbed by Murfolk before. We'll do it again. So long as this ship is still afloat, they mean for us to reach the shore. This needs to end, Captain. We need to give them the boy. And I said, like hell you will. There was the sound of metal sliding against leather as the crowd's spokesman unsheathed his sword. You've gone soft, Captain, he seethed. Time gone by, you'd have tossed that whelp to the waves. No questions asked. That's how it is, Smithy. The captain replied, drawing his own cutlass. Nor going back from this, you understand? That I do, Captain. Just doing what needs to be done. So who else is joining Smithy in this mutiny? The captain asked. A dozen or so swords were drawn in response. Very well, he sighed. Smithy edged towards the captain and reached out his free hand. Your cutlass, please, sir. We ain't looking for a fight. The captain turned to face me with a sorrowful look. I'm sorry, boy, he said, handing his weapon to Smithy. I'll be seeking justice at shore, Smithy. I've seen men hang for less. Nothing personal, sir. We'll be dead here if we don't appease them. The other crew barged past the captain and grabbed me with vice-like hands. Soon I found myself tumbling over the warped guard rail and into the icy cold waves. 
Salt water shot down my throat and sent me into a fit of spluttering. Above, I could hear a fight breaking out on deck, though of words and not actions. There was to be no rescue. This would be how I died. At least death this way wouldn't damn me to hell. This was at least a small mercy, though the consolation of heaven wasn't enough to still my panic-stricken heart. It was then that I'd heard the song. It filled me with calm, and though I knew the mouths it spouted from were to be feared, I accepted the peace it provided. Below me, the fire began to rise from the depths. I felt the water around me begin to heat up, as though I was a lobster slowly cooking in a pot. When the fire was just below my paddling feet, it stopped dead. I heard the song sing. Yes, I suppose I will, I replied dreamily. Glancing up, I could see the crew peering wide-eyed over the edge of the ship. Take him! Smithy bellowed down. The fire shifted, so as not to be below me, and began to rise further. I tried to paddle further away, but I wasn't a strong swimmer. I had been having a hard enough time just staying afloat. Take him and be done with us, Smithy pleaded. In an instant, the fire shot up out of the water to float silently in the air in line with the crew, as though it were inspecting them. Now it was in the open, I could see that it was not, in fact, a fire. It was, by appearance, made from hot metal and had a physical form, something like rounded coin. A light shone down from its glowing surface to rest on me, and I found myself rising from the waves. I wasn't afraid, though. The song soothed me. Whatever this was, I somehow knew it was neither angel nor demon, but rather something altogether more extraordinary. A calming voice spoke to me as I was raised into the disc's light. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Siren's song was written by Matt Butcher, narrated by Josh Curran and Joanna Coulton, edited by Carl Hughes and muted by Chris Labriskie and Tom Robson. So, we recently hit number one of all UK arts podcasts for the week of Halloween, and that's number five out of all podcasts everywhere. All of them, and there's bloody loads. So a big thank you to all of you amazing people who decided to check us out. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about what we do, that, that includes novels, comics, even films, then go to hawkandcleaver.com. Maybe add us on Twitter or Instagram. That's at hawkandcleaver. Or if you'd like to support the show and help us keep the beast alive, that you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. Lastly, we are currently running a Kickstarter campaign for our latest stark sci-fi audio adventure, Cypher. You can check all that out at www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash cypher. Until next time. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. 
Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.